Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 26 minutes to 9 the time. Good morning. Yesterday here on SAFM Sunrise, you heard a conversation with the Health Department about the National Health Insurance Scheme. The Department's Deputy Director General, Dr. Nicholas Crisp, defended the NHI bill as it is currently. Parliament's passed the bill. President Cyril Ramaphosa still has to sign it into law. Earlier this week, business groups said if he did sign it into law in its current form, they might go to court to have it overturned. The Western Cape Health Department has also said it might join a court action to stop the NHI from being implemented. But both government and the ANC say they believe the NHI will make healthcare fairer as it would allow anyone to use a private healthcare facility that would then be funded by government through tax. There have been huge conversations about this, and yesterday, Crisp said the private healthcare sector was simply trying to protect the money it was making at the moment. Well, you'll hear that accusation and their response to it today. First this morning, from the Health Department, that conversation with Dr. Nicholas Crisp. Then to respond, Dr. Katlejo Motudi is the Managing Director of the Board of Healthcare Funders. Then another group that opposes the NHI, Dr. Mvusi Mzukwa, Dr. Mvusi Mzukwa, excuse me, is the chair of the South African Medical Association, but speaking here is the spokesperson for the SA Health Professionals Collaborations group of people who oppose the NHI. And finally, a second voice in favour of the NHI. Barry Mitchell is the parliamentary officer for the National Education, Health and Allied Workers Union, Nahau. They believe the NHI would be a good thing. We start then with Dr. Nicholas Crisp. The conversation yesterday I asked him if he believed if the NHI bill in its current form was constitutional. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Look, I think that uh, business stands to lose uh, quite a lot of the uh, interests in the health sector. You know, the health sector is a cash cow, and there are various ways in which people profit out of the private health system. And any reform is going to impact that as we start to change and make care available to more people. It will take some time for those uh, changes to filter through. And when I take, say some time, I'm not talking about one year or months. I'm talking a much longer period of time than that. But it's the essentially what they are trying to protect is a, a massive business, a multi-billion rand business. I'm not sure if people are aware just how much medical schemes cost uh, to run and the administration. And that's, it, that's essentially the, what they are after. The rest of the bill, they're not too worried about. It's, it's after the protection of medical schemes in particular. So we have 73 up to the end of 2022. There's a bit of a realignment happening. It'll be 71 medical schemes uh, this year. They have 311 different options with 833 trustees between them. And that administration is currently costing just the administration of the medical schemes, not the administrators and so on, 16 billion rand a year. So if that uh, business is in any way tampered with, it affects people's ability to, um, you know, to run their, their current businesses. So, you know, I mean, some of these principal officers are earning almost 9 million rand a year, and others, many of them, are 5, 6, 7 million rand a year. And that's what medical scheme members are paying for their administration. So it's a, it's a very significant business people are fighting for. There are other business interests, of course, in the private sector, and uh, we didn't expect it to go without a fight. I look forward to their response to what you say, Dr. Chris, but I know you wouldn't you wouldn't say that without uh, solid numbers to back it up. Um, if the uh, bill- those are published numbers, Stephen, sure. they're in the yeah. reports of the Council for Medical Schemes, so it's not something that's uh, not in the public domain. They're, everyone's very aware of it. It's just not 
spoken about regularly. No, no, no. Dr. Nicholas Crisp speaking there, Deputy Director General for the NHI at the National Health Department. You are there, CFM, 22 minutes now to nine. Continue your mediated conversation. Let's hear a response to that. Dr. Katlejo Mutudi is the MD of the Board of Healthcare Funders. Dr. Mutudi, good morning and thanks for your time. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having us. You heard the accusation there. In short, it's that medical aids and the people who run them make a lot of people from running them. That's true, isn't it? Um, so I think Dr. Chris is correct in saying there is money that is paid towards administration of schemes. And it holds a figure of 16 billion rand. And that forms less than 10% of the total revenue, about 90% of the money that is collected by scheme goes towards the payment of healthcare services. So for, for Dr. Chris to focus on, for example, the salary of uh, principal officers and the board of trustees uh, is quite a narrow view and misleading in terms of why schemes are concerned about the NHI. It is not about profiteering as he uh, seeks to uh, in, uh, make an impression. Uh, the issue is about access to healthcare services. And currently, people that are on medical aids have got some certainty in terms of access to healthcare services. And that is what is worrying us about pushing the NHI bill in its current form, because we think it's going to um, uh, severely curtail this access. Okay, you say that that 16 billion rand is only 10% of what people pay for medical aids. Sure, but it's still 16 billion rand that's not productive. It's 16 billion rand for people to move money around. That's all they do. I mean, there's nothing productive from that. It is productive. I mean, you are always going to pay for services, Stephen. Look at the public health sector. Uh, In some provinces, they report that 70% of the money that government makes available for healthcare services for salaries. Would you argue that all of those uh, um, monies are for productivity not not really but they form a, an important cog in the delivery of healthcare services so in any business you are going to pay for administration and and i think maybe the intention is to uh, uh, put uh, the, the 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 aspersions or cast aspersions on uh, potentially wastefulness uh, of the system we we agree that there could be an improvement in how cities are run and uh, the 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 challenge is also upon government because medical schemes do not uh, uh, regulate themselves they are under the guidance or supervision of the council for medical schemes okay. now the council on a yearly basis does put out uh, certain directives in terms of how much administration uh, costs uh, should be, uh, etc. So it is disingenuous to to put this at the door of medical schemes. Okay, so it's 71 schemes and 16 billion rand to administer them. I mean, that's a very high figure, it seems to me. I mean, that's money. I mean, you say that, that administration costs money. I mean, of course it does. I accept that. But it's still a huge amount of money that no one's getting any real benefit. Well, excuse me, only the people who administer no. the schemes are getting a benefit from. That's what it feels like. Not really, Stephen. When when you are ill and somebody needs to make a, or process an authorization, it is part of the healthcare service delivery. So you do benefit from it. So um, it doesn't make sense to try and exclude administration services from the actual service delivery. It doesn't mean that when you are ill, you'll immediately get 
treatment without any additional costs. Even if you're running your own practice as a, as a, as a practitioner, there are uh, costs that you uh, must uh, apportion to your running of the practice. So you do get a benefit. It might be, not be a health service directly, but there is a benefit. They are not for profit. So medical schemes are not for profit. And yet the salaries of some of the people who run them, as Dr. Crispus pointed out, is very fair, is very high. I mean, why should someone earn five, six, seven million rand a year for running something that's not for profit? I think the discussion around what fair remuneration is uh, is something that is contentious. You see it everywhere we we talk about executives in other areas. And I think from a labor perspective, there are definite uh, maybe discussions that could be had. And I, I want to go back to what I said earlier about oversight. If there are challenges from a labor perspective, I think these are issues that could actually be uh, uh, handled through the Council for Medical Schemes because these figures, as Dr. Chris report, are actually reported in uh, in the Council for Medical Schemes annual report. It's not something that, that is hidden. Whether you're going to uh, pay that amount of money for the skills that it requires is, is debatable. But schemes need to be run by people with expertise. Uh, often these are highly educated people with uh, experience. Um, and we could debate what is fair remuneration. Okay, but I mean, I can't think of any other not-for-profit uh, institution outside of medical aid schemes that's not-for-profit and has salaries at that level. Yeah, as I said, Stephen, I said the the the, the question of what is fair remuneration uh, is uh, uh, is debatable, and I and I think um, that, that I mean we could we could debate this until the the cows come home, uh, but the fact is ninety percent of the money that is paid by members actually goes to healthcare services. Okay, um, we spend a huge amount of money on healthcare in the private sector. Um, and a very small proportion of South Africans actually benefit from that. And even from what you see, Dr. Matudian, sitting where, where you sit, I mean, it would seem pretty obvious there must be a better way for us to manage the healthcare resources that we do have as a country. I mean, would you accept that as a sort of starting point? No, we agree. We, we agree. And that's why we are not against healthcare reform. Uh, we just think that there's a better way to um, approach NHI rather than through the proposed bill. We don't think that the way it's captured will actually benefit uh, South Africans. The second thing that I want to raise as well is that we we keep on harping about the small number of people that have got access to um, uh, services in the private sector. And we, we, we do not uh, emphasize that government has got the responsibility to provide healthcare services. And these uh, medical aids, uh, uh, have members who actually pay up their after-tax money, uh, which is a, a voluntary uh, service. And there is this assumption that when you introduce the NHI, you are going to shift the money uh, uh, that members are paying uh, out of their pocket, and as I, as I said, it's uh, after-tax money, direct into the NHI fund. That That is not true. So while the medical aid schemes cater for a smaller number of the population. This is the number of people that could have been uh, seeking uh, services from from the government, and this is why, uh, in the past, I think uh, in I think early two thousand, uh, certain uh, uh, provisions, for example, even the tax breaks were given to encourage people to take the load of government by actually funding their own healthcare. 
Dr. Katlejo Muturi. Thank you, Managing Director of the Board of Healthcare Funders. You're with SFM, 14 minutes now to nine. The time immediate conversation around uh, the NHI continues. Another voice against the NHI now. We'll hear from a voice for it in a few moments. Uh, first, Dr. Mbisiem Zukwa is chair of the SA Medical Association, speaking here also as the spokesperson for the SA Health Professionals Collaboration. So I understand very much against the NHI. Dr. Mzukwa, uh, good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning to you, Stivovo, and your listeners. And it's always an honor and privilege to be invited to your insightful show. You're very generous with your time, sir. Thank you. As doctors, your duty is to care for patients. Why then do you oppose the NHI? Wouldn't that help government care for more patients? Wouldn't that be a good thing? Okay, Steve, perhaps just give me a, a few minutes to really um, uh, state that, um, like you said in your introduction, I'm here representing the South African Health Professionals Collaboration, which is a national group of nine medical and dental and allied uh, health professionals associations, um, uh, representing more than 25,000 dedicated private and public sector healthcare workers. Um, first, it is important, Steve, that I, I made that clarity uh, uh, because you know our involvement as, as a stakeholder in healthcare, um, as, you, as you are aware, that in healthcare, there are many stakeholders. Um, but I think I need to state that, you know, reacting to what Dr. Nicholas Script was uh, saying yesterday, I think he, he really made political statements that has nothing to do with him as a, as a technocrat. I expected that, you know, to come from the minister or the deputy minister, because he speaks of billions of friends in the private sector and the vested interest by the funding industry and the hospital groups. But what he's failing to tell you is the fact that there are genuine concerns that have been raised by healthcare workers when they had been interacting with the bill. First, as healthcare workers, Steve, like you said, we agree with the noble intentions and objectives of the bill that both the private sector and the public sector needs a reform. There is no argument against this. And South Africans need equitable access to high quality and affordable healthcare. Now, Nicholas Cripps failed to crisply explain the evidence on the sources of, of, of funding for the NHI, which would be sufficient for, uh, for the fund to be able to purchase these comprehensive healthcare services on behalf of all South Africans. He finds it easy to talk about the registered billions uh, in the Council for Medical Schemes, but fails to tell the nation about where the billions uh, that are going to be covering uh, the fund are going to come from. I think he needed as a technocrat, you know, to take us uh, there where we get that assurance so that we do not have individuals like ourselves who are uh, uncertain about where the the bill is going. And secondly, there is no evidence in the South African context context on how the implementation of the bill in terms of the the payment uh, uh, models to practitioners uh, 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 is going to work. You know that there are no uh, um, uh, pilot projects. In fact, what we thought were, were pilot projects, we are told now that, that they were looking at strengthening the health, health, health systems of the country. It had nothing to do with the pilot projects. Now, you are taking what has no evidence. You are just copying and pasting it in the, in the South African con- context without really looking at the, the, the issues on the ground. I mean, that, like you've been talking to uh, uh, Katlejo now, the role of medical schemes, 
you know, is very vague. For example, which services are not going to be covered by the NHI? And this is worrisome because if you look at the, the, the you know, at, at other countries like the UK, the system is falling apart. And I mean, uh, um, as healthcare workers, as you know, we've got a right to know, you know, uh, where this bill is taking us to. And if we have concerns, we expect government not to politicize our concerns, but, you know, to genuinely, genuinely uh, 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 make us uh, understand and have a buy-in of the professionals who are going to be the cornerstone of this, this bill when it is implemented. Doctor, thank you very much indeed. Really appreciate the time. Dr. Mbusiam Zukwip speaking, as you heard him say, as the spokesperson of the SA Health Professionals Collaboration, also chair of the SA Medical Association. In a moment, Barry Mitchell from Nahau. They're in favour of the NHI, nine minutes to nine. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continuing your Mediated Conversation, six minutes now to nine. The time, let's hear from a voice in favour of the NHI. Barry Mitchell is a parliamentary officer for the National Education, Health and Allied Workers Union. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Just to be clear, you do support the NHI, right? Most definitely. We've been supporting it for the last 20 years. Uh, Just to remind the audience that this is not just a, a bill that's popped out of nowhere. It's gone through extensive scrutiny through the uh, Portfolio Committee on Health, public participation processes, NEDLAC, two presidential health summits. So we're most definitely in favor of the NHI bill, and we are asking or uh, demanding that the president sign the bill into law and that there's no more stalling on this issue. Okay, let me argue with you now, Barry. Um, (laughs) Sure. Will the NHI actually increase the amount of capacity of healthcare in the country? Would it not be better... In other words, instead of doing this for government to actually expand the capacity that it has. I mean, it must be true that the NHI is not going to increase the amount of healthcare capacity. This is a, this is obviously a recurring question. And again, I, I just wanted to reiterate the point that Dr. Chris made. The reason why we're having this massive backlash is not because of the constitutionality of the, the bill. It's purely ideological. It's purely putting profits before the people. Uh, so to answer your question, yes, indeed. I mean, this is going to take a number of years to fully implement. Unfortunately, and this is why I think it's also important on this uh, mediated conversation that you're having, Stephen, to invite National Treasury to this uh, platform. There's been massive cuts to the health budget, not just the health budget, but many other areas as well. And this has obviously now depreciated the effects that we wanted to see once the bill was signed into law. Uh, so to answer your your question crisply, excuse the pun, I would say, yes, indeed, it will expand capacity. It is a necessity. It's a constitutional uh, fulfillment that government must make. Uh, so th- th- there shouldn't be an argument around the, the nitty goodies. I think it should be fundamentally placing uh, profits, uh, people before profits, Stephen. Okay, but where would the extra capacity come from? I don't see any plan in the NHI that I'm aware of that would see there being more capacity. Yes, more people could use the private capacity that's already there, but there's no expansion in capacity is my point. This is exactly the challenge that we've been facing. In actual fact, we've uh, issued a statement on this. Over 850 doctors are still waiting to be filled into vacancies. Uh, This is why I think it's fundamental for Treasury to come to a platform like this to explain uh, what what we see in the the fiscal going forward and to make a commitment to ensure that NHI is properly funded. 
the previous speaker was saying that uh, Dr. Crisp was not clear on the funding. The bill does speak to funding mechanisms. It does speak to capacity issues. The reality is that National Treasury is hamstringing us. And I'm sorry to say that, but that's the reality. Hamstringing us uh, for the past 10, 15 years. And in what looks like in the future, they'll be doing the same. Uh, so we want a commitment not only from the president to sign this bill into law, but that commitment from National Treasury, from the finance minister, to ensure that this bill is properly funded and that capacity constraints that you're talking to are expanded most definitely. Um, the other argument would probably be this, okay? We have a huge amount of money that goes into the private sector for health care and there's certain health outcomes as a result. But this would involve government getting more money, money that's currently being paid into medical aids. In other words, government would be administering more money, trying to administer a massive change to our healthcare sector. And I don't know how to put this, but there are very low levels of trust in government at the moment, I especially after after the state capture era. So let me put it bluntly. How can we trust government to manage our money properly here? Now, I was uh, in a similar position. I mean, we've gone through uh, how and back uh, in 2020, we did site visits to hospitals and to clinics, and we found the state of infrastructure absolutely collapsing. Doctors and nurses were completely burnt out, doing triple, quadruple shifts. Uh, so the necessity of this is uh, a pivot. 60% of the health budget goes towards the private sector, only servicing 16% of the population. This is not a political statement. It's empirical fact. Uh, so the reality is that pivot must take place is that there must be a prioritization towards the majority of this country, people that require a uh, public health care system to be expanded and to be strengthened. So in reality, it, it really boils down to the political will, not just the political will, we could say the constitutional will of Treasury to make that pivot. And of course, we can talk to progressive tax schemes and uh, regiments in that regard. But at the moment, uh, our main focus is now making sure the president signs this bill to act and that the, the president and national treasury are speaking in the same tune because it seems like they're not. Barry Mitchell, thank you. Really appreciate the time. Parliamentary Officer for Nahau, the National Education, Health and Allied Workers Union, a voice in favour of the NHI, as you heard. Before that, Dr Mbuyisiam Zukwa, my thanks to you as well, a spokesperson for the SA Health Professions Collaboration. They're against the NHI, also opposing it. Dr Katleka Komututi, the MD of the Board of Healthcare Funders. And then that clip from the Health Department's Deputy Director General for the NHI, Dr Nicholas Crisp. That mediated conversation, of course, available for you as a podcast in a little while.